Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. We have made it to Friday. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm with you. Glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Brian Scott Rippey, Brian Haydad in Oxford today at the Ole Miss Banking and Finance Symposium that is uh, at the Oxford Conference Center. They uh, are about to get another panel started. They just made the big announcement. So uh, all the... uh, uh, men and women in suits and dressed up on a Friday doing their thing, and uh, we're glad to be with you. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. You can find them online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing or refinancing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They have been financing land for over 100 years. Check them out online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank where they know the lay of the land. Borky is in Jackson making it all happen on this Friday. We are on the eve of week two of the college football season. Borky, what's up? Oh, just uh, looking at this box score from the NFL game last night and realizing that J.K. Scott had almost double the punting yards that either offense had, and I still watched every second of that game. Did you? Was it entertaining at all? Um, I'm about to go old man on you, but it, it's it, the final score was ten to three. There wasn't a whole lot of fireworks, but you can appreciate really good defensive line play. Then you liked that game last night, if that makes sense. Yeah, a couple of pretty good defenses. Chicago could do nothing. Mitch Trubisky was not uh, not very good. I heard a little commentary this morning that uh, it's kind of the first time that I've heard this, and it was fascinating to me as. I'd love to credit it. I just can't remember who said this, but said the first four weeks, first three or four weeks of the NFL are now the preseason because teams are not willing to let their best players get hurt in actual preseason games, and so they're not playing guys as much in the preseason, and so you're going to see sloppy football, poor execution, and you're going to see it a lot in a bunch of games over the first two or three weeks of the season – Because in reality, this is now like the preseason versus getting teams and guys and individuals ready before the actual year starts. I'm not 100% sure that I believe that, but it's a uh, a different way of looking at things. Especially because, specifically at the quarterback position, I mean, everybody was even saying this last night, pregame, halftime, and postgame, that that was Aaron Rodgers' first action in LaFleur's offense. They had four preseason games, and last night was the first time you really got to see the quarterback run the offense. Yeah, uh, interesting uh, way to prepare yourself for a new season. and Maybe that points to the fact that getting off to a fast start doesn't matter as much as being healthy for a, uh, for a stretch run in the NFL. I don't know. The list of 
playoff teams after you start 0-2 and 0-3 and is very, very, very slim. But if you got a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Hold on. No, no you're on. I just need more of you. There I got you. If you got a guy like Aaron Rodgers, you sort of have to trust him to be ready, don't you? I mean, how much preseason practice does he really, really need? And he wasn't sharp last night, but I, I, I would be, uh, I would be of the mind that next week all the kinks will have been worked out. Hey, Rippy, good pick last night. Thank you. Mine, not so much. Oh, you went the Bears. That's right. I thought you rode with me. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I faded you. You didn't even sprinkle the money line either, did you? It's a bad play. What a shame. All the way. What? And I mean, Lee Sterling told us what he said. If you're going to make the play, the play is the Packers. And he said really probably at plus 145 or so, Packers on the money line is the way to go. I ignored everybody that uh, is smarter than I am in making picks and was uh, good and wrong yesterday with the uh, Pearl River Resort pick of the day. Almost texted you congrats. Now I really wish I would have. Oh, okay, because I, I thought, you know, I you thought it was a legitimate congratulations, but then it would have been just a full-on jerk move, which is kind of uh, which that, would have that works for even you, right? Better, That's yeah. his shtick. It, it works for him. Yeah. Do you see I, the Traymon Williams quote last night? By the way, rubbing salt in your wound. Uh, no, I missed it. I, uh, I had dinner with my wife last night instead. He said that uh, post game. He said that they knew if they could make Trubisky play quarterback, they would win the game. That's tough. That's pretty rough there. <laughs> he's an interesting case because he's wildly inaccurate, like way more inaccurate than you'd think for many productive NFL quarterback, but he does stuff when the plays break down that you really can't coach and like you just kind of have or you don't. But I feel like I'm going to have to eat those words I said yesterday about Trubisky. Well, he's going to be okay. now. maybe not. You don't think so? I, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and put that on hold, and we'll see where it comes back in a few weeks. They took him over Deshaun Watson. And Pat Mahomes. Yeah. Yeah, not good. That's not good. That, that's two. And they traded up to get him. Right? They traded up to get him. They traded. I don't necessarily blame him, Mahomes as much, just because you like, couldn't have seen that. Other than the strong arm, you couldn't have seen a lot of what Mahomes did even in college, and that doesn't even really necessarily have anything to do with him winning. It's Watson, pretty clear with Watson. Yeah, but people didn't like Watson in the draft evaluation process. I say didn't like him in that crop of quarterbacks. He was considered what probably second tier because there were a ton. That's the Josh Allen, Josh Rosen year, isn't it? Yeah. How are those guys doing? Wait, no, no, it's not. No, no it's, it's not. not. The, it's it's, not it's one before that. Yeah. I have that off. Not yeah. a math guy. Uh, all I know is that with a guy like Deshaun Watson, you got a body of work of winning and making incredible athletic plays. I, I feel like we're trending away from, and this is what we were talking about, what, on Wednesday, uh, we're trending away from outthinking the room about, well, he's a yes. system quarterback and he's just an athletic quarterback. And You know what? You get a guy like that that has won and won and won and has thrown for a bunch of yards and has run for a bunch of yards, you better take a flyer on him. Yeah. And I don't even know if it's a flyer anymore. What does it's that mean for Jalen Hurts this year? Uh, well, he threw for, what, 350 in the season opener, so he's shown that he can throw it. He has a strong arm. He's athletic. It says to me that Jalen Hurts is going to get a shot. And he's a winner. That yeah, I mean, that, I mean they're going to the playoff again. And he's going to lead another team to the playoff and win another conference championship. And and might win a Heisman, win a Heisman trophy. trophy along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Unless Texas gets him, that Ellinger kid is pretty good. Ellinger, whatever. Can, can, can we can we settle on the pronunciation of his name? You you say what you think it is, and we'll go with it's that. Sam Ellinger. Ellinger, it is. Well, Haydad's usually the litmus test for what this is. We talked with somebody yesterday who called him Erlinger or Erlin Erlinger or something Aaron, like this. Say it again, one more time. Ellinger. Ellinger. Sam, Sam Ellinger. Ellinger. Absolutely. That's what What'd it that was. guy call him yesterday? Steve Bollinger? <laughs> it, it, might, it might as well have been. I mean, it was like just kind of make it up on the uh, fly. I don't Who was that? Lee Sterling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Lee was way off 
on uh, on that. One with the picks, but not great with the pronunciation. Uh, so what have we got coming up this afternoon? We'll have some final thoughts on uh, the matchup between Southern Miss and Mississippi State as uh, Luke will join us from Hattiesburg coming up a little bit later uh, this afternoon. We've got our high school preview with Will East and Stephen Gagliano as we roll into week three of the high school football season in Mississippi. Bruce Marshall will join us in the 5 o'clock hour today to uh, talk picks. We will, uh, he will, we will get his picks, Bruce, with the gold sheet and goldsheet.com. Tom Hart and maybe Cole Kubelik and maybe Jordan Rogers are uh, also supposed to uh, come over and join us for a little while in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, we have more Hugh Freeze news uh, because uh, why wouldn't we? Yeah, Hugh Freeze, back in the news, which is exactly where he wants to be. Um, why, why, are, why are you amused every time I say that? Because it's just funny. Is there not a large enough body of evidence Let me, let me tell to... you something. The stuff that Freeze is doing to make a fool of himself will never not be funny to me. I will laugh every time. Yeah. Next week when he's, you know, on a hammock, I'll laugh at that too. It's not a dental chair, Borky. That it's looks like of... a dental chair to me. Yeah, it kind of looks like a dental. You know, it's like if it walks like a dental chair and it talks like a dental chair. I went to the dentist on Tuesday, and we made a joke about me doing the podcast from the dental chair, and now Freeze is doing this. I can't wait for them to strap wheels on that thing, and he can be on the sideline next week. I'd like to see it wheeled down a hill. (laughs) (laughs) I think Haydad really liked that. Slowly killing Haydad over there. Oh my goodness! Part of part of the plan. Would would you two please get well? I mean, I I'm I sound a little better today. You I do, thought. You do. My cough is not nearly as. I bad. was doing fine until he made that great joke. Yeah, I wasn't joking. But anyway, <laughs> he I, made that funny statement. My cough's not as bad today. I can smell things again. Things are on the up and up. Yeah. Uh, we will go through our two questions for Ole Miss and Mississippi State. The uh, deep and probing questions that Morky likes to. Uh, uh, throw out there that sometimes have the same answers. What's the one thing uh, Team A must do to get a win? What's the one thing that Team A cannot do uh, or they will lose? And I'm not even sure that I phrased them uh, correctly. So all of that. Eh, is, the uh, premise is there. Go. Yeah, you get what I'm saying with that. Uh, C Spire text line is open. 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. The number, the C Spire text line. C Spire, customer inspired, prepaid by C Spire, is going big for back to school with special deals including a like new iPhone 6S for just $49 and a daily $500 giveaway. Learn more at cspire.com slash prepaid C Spire, customer inspired. You can also send us a tweet on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed at Sports Talk M. I-S-S. Deep probing questions uh, like the one that Chad asks, is Maroon really all that matters? I mean, as I said on on my Twitter Q&A, I mean, I I love my family more. Are we talking about the actual color or the idea? I think we're talking about the actual color. Did you go to Gus's today? Is that place still around? I did go to Gus's today. You ate some fried chicken? I sure did. Is that your only meal of the day or are you going to eat again tonight? I probably won't eat again. It was very filling. (laughs) But we'll see. Did you eat lunch today, Rippy? I had some leftover pizza that I ordered for that game. There you go. Uh, just getting started Friday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Orky, you're not afraid to hold a grudge, are you? Um, With you, no, not at all. Most people, I tend to let things go. Oh, that's good to know. I'm glad that, uh, that I'm good and unique. 
Uh, you're still mad at me for not coming to your wedding. I, I'm honestly not. I not, like to pick not, on you about not it. Not coming to the wedding that I wasn't invited to. You were. I just told you I needed to save five bucks and not send you one of those fancy pants invitations. And that is the biggest scam in in all of this. So weddings in general, the cost is absurd. I guess they have the market cornered in inflating prices because they know you're going to pay it. The invitation thing is crazy to me. It is a piece of paper that's a little bit harder than the regular piece of paper with some fancy writing on it. And you're going to charge me 500 bucks to send it to a few people. Give me a break. I didn't get one of your official invitations. I was actually going to Borky's wedding until I realized it was the same day as one of my close friends from college. And I was going to do that thing where I hit two open bars in one day, but one of them was an hour and a half away, so it wasn't logistically feasible. So speaking of bars, you've got one really close right to there. where you are I do. right now. You know, we almost just do the finger snap. Garcon. This Snow's show free. could get fun in a couple hours if y'all partake. Let's make it happen. Uh, es, es possible. Uh, yeah, Borky, I mean, you know, I, you, you can say what you want about $5. I mean, if, if my wife and I weren't worth a $5 your invitation, buddy, your you clearly him wasn't worth $5 is what he said. Buddy, like that Ferris Bueller's on, you'll never know what a Finsky will do to a guy's attitude. Maybe if you'd <laughs> give him the $5 invitation, y'all might be nicer to one another. You knew when it was. Now, I'm, I'm on it. Dude, I just He's pick still on going. you. He's I still just going. mess with you. I, you had well, it's a big. It was an ESPN assignment, right? You called a basketball game on TV. That's far more important than seeing me do what he was fishing almost with everybody Cuban. does. Stepbrothers reference. Sorry, I'll stop. <laughs> Would you say I was fishing with Mark Cuban? Are bonita yeah, that... fish big? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you guys, uh, yeah. I mean, you, you want me to come to your wedding? I probably better get something in the mail. Maybe something that's got two stamps on it. You got an actual, like, hey, you can come. if you. I didn't even get that. I got nothing. Well, you were still kind of the new guy at that point. I, I was pretty new He as was well. newer. Yeah, but I knew Rippy before this. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. It's, it's fine. <laughs> it went, the, their relationship went back like three days longer. Yeah, it's so no, close. we knew each other in college. Practically we, brothers. We were even Facebook friends. So. Oh, yeah, it's a so big it's deal. funny when 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 you realize that your actions actually have consequences. Like if you don't like invite somebody to a wed- your wedding, they probably are not going to come. That's just simply a consequence. Uh, similarly, when you say things that cause people to say, "Okay, we'll not pay you thirty million dollars," all of a sudden you start to backpedal just a little bit. See Antonio Brown. Apparently he cried today in an apology to his team, and John Gruden says that he will play on Monday night. Oakland receiver Antonio Brown, A.B., after a confrontation with general manager Mike Mayock in which he called him a cracker and used uh, extreme uh, forms of disparaging language, has issued an emotional apology at a team meeting that happened this morning. That's what a source told ESPN. Source said that Brown issued the apology with team captains standing with him and that the team treated him like a family member afterward. Sure. Uh, This was after Brown initiated a discussion with Mayock midway through practice, resulting in the confrontation that had sparked the team's impasse with the player, according to a team source. Here's my question. Does Antonio Brown have to pay the fine? Ooh. Well, you still got to pay the fine, right? He'll probably have to pay the fine. A Raiders source confirmed Brown was unhappy with the fine that was levied by the team and seeing Mayock watching practice walked over and initiated an exchange with the GM. The Raiders source confirmed information from another league source 
Sources on top of sources on top of sources who said that Brown called Mayock a cracker and unleashed a barrage of, quote, cuss words, close quote, during the altercation. The team source said Mayock tried to keep his cool and defuse the situation. Mayock was like, quote, I'm cool. I understand your displeasure. He just sort of walked away because he saw it escalate. I'm not going to make it. What? I'm just reading the story. No, I know, but the way you read it was perfect. It's stranger than fiction sometimes. (laughs) That's cool. I understand your displeasure. I'm sure that's what he said. That's a quote verbatim from Mike Mayock. I think that's probably how Mike Mayock handles it. You don't think he's like... I, I understand that you're frustrated. I, I think he probably Sorry. used a little stronger verbiage. I don't know that he did. All right. I think I think Mike Mayock realized that he was firmly occupying the high ground in this situation. Yes. I don't mean the moral high ground. I just mean the high ground. He had all of the leverage, and there was no reason for him to do anything to escalate the situation beyond where it already was. Um, I don't know that it's even worth the conversation or the talking point of if – Mm, let's see. Do we go down this road or do we? Yeah, yeah we just go down this road. If the roles are reversed, Ooh. and if you, you're not coming back from that, should I not do it? Well, no, no. I'm not saying no, you're he's not. saying if the roles are reversed, if, you're if the not roles are reversed, the player is not coming back from that. If a white guy says that to a black general manager you're, you're and and he changes the word, you would be out. That is a derogatory term. The other way, you would be out. There is no coming back from this. No. Ask Riley Cooper. Look, I mean, and, and I'm not saying that, 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 it, that it's right or, or that it should be the case. It's just the reality. Now, somebody, there was a guy from Sports Illustrated that said, yeah, but you can't, you can't change it around. You can't reverse it. Well, I, I guess in the culture that we're in, you can't do that. You, you can't turn things around and you can't change it and you say, well, what if it was another way? That's just the reality of the world in which we live right it's, now. It's not exactly the same, though, but still not not. Great. Why is it not? Because it just isn't. And then there's, that, that, there's literally I, no way to put it It's very it hard to put into words, but I don't think those – in my opinion, and I don't, I'm not trying to get political, I don't think those two words carry the exact same weight. And so while both not great, both very bad, I think one is probably a slightly worse than the other. But that doesn't make this first – that doesn't mean the other one is okay. That just put your brain in no, the Never mind what the word was, and I was not necessarily insinuating that the, the most derogatory of words could be used. I'm just saying if any derogatory word had been used – um, well, say the if you want to reverse it, say he called the African American GM like a thug or something, you probably get suspended, but you probably eventually come back. Yeah, you will know, always have a label though. You will one hundred percent. But let's yeah. not act like Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown has already have of a labels. label. Yeah, maybe not necessarily that, but Ceasefire from Tex, uh, Ceasefire text line. Michael from Poplarville says there's a double standard. There is. Yeah, uh, Robin Tuplo says uh, Cracker and the N-word are both derogatory and are both racist. Uh, Philip and Starkville on a lighter note says, I really hope I don't start getting wedding invitations from people I'm just Facebook friends with. That will be total social media out of control, and I think I may be Facebook friends with Hey Daddy. Hey, man, you get married and you got an open bar, I'll show. Uh, there you go. You uh, guys are so much more loose on Fridays. Why? That's uh, Dawson in Iuka. With a winky it's, uh, face, on, by the way. It's not on Friday. It's that we're all together. So, like, it just it's just easier this way. You, know? you can well, see the other guy. Come join us on a more regular basis. That's a long drive. I well, mean, yeah, I mean, you. Hey, man, you, I'm just telling it's your you. your idea. You, you tell, make sure that my mileage gets approved for that. You'll see me as much as you want. Don't worry, guys. Right. I'll stay right here. 
Good. Je- Jeff and Grenada says, You're not invited. You guys have a Mike and Mike thing going. Do nothing together offset. <laughs> Richard and I got lunch once. Just once? I think that's – well, we had lunch a few times. Yeah. We went out to that seafood place by the office. Yeah. Who did? We went to Drago's. Me, Borky, and uh, – and, Hey, Dad. Yeah. Oh, thanks for the invite, guys. You, well, you, was, you, were, not, you were not around. Uh, okay. You were literally out of the state. Oh, no. You know where he was? Playing a lotion. Oh. Yeah. I don't we don't I don't regret not inviting you. <laughs> I don't feel bad for missing yeah, it either. It was the day before the Arkansas game is uh, what it was. Oh uh Oh yeah, that's right. I took that day off and then you get there you go. fair enough. Sounds like a good day, man. It was a uh, a quite good day. Everything except uh, my uh, golf game uh, was uh, was pretty good. Um we are at the Ole Miss Banking and Finance uh, Symposium, Finance Symposium. Did I get it right there that time? I don't know. I don't know what's right and wrong. We might have to ask one of these fellows. You come from a banking family, right? I think my dad says finance, but I'm not positive. Well, of course he does because he's in the banking and finance industry. Is that what those in the biz say? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I have no idea. It's like data and data. People say data? Some do. Uh, I say, data? No, I say you data. You say when data? I say, I say data. I say data, but everywhere except for when I'm talking about my phone, then it's data. Yeah, computer I, pe- I have no idea why. I think computer people say data. Really? We're learning so much today. Nerds. Uh, uh, Ken Syrie will join us a little bit uh, later this afternoon. He's the uh, dean of the business school uh, and has put this event together for the last few years. Record attendance, a couple hundred people uh, here today talking about the banking and finance industry, and we are talking about football. So let's be honest for a second. If we're thinking about this, and and I think I made this joke last year, and I don't know if people laughed or not. I'm sure it stepped on some toes along the way. So – you got a bunch of ladies and gentlemen that are dressed to the nines on a Friday afternoon in suits, sitting in an auditorium, listening to incredibly informative and great speakers. But you know what they're all thinking about, right? They're all thinking about football. Yeah. <laughs> Which happened last night and is happening tonight in the high school ranks and is happening tomorrow uh, all over the place as well. So it, uh, it works. Uh, Ceasefire text line, any plans to discuss state versus southern game? That's Hooter from Brandon. Uh, Why, yes, Hooter, we actually do have plans to do that as soon as we come back from this short timeout. Luke Johnson from the Eagle Hour will join us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. We're back after this. Sit tight. LSU will take its entire band to Austin, or if it will be a pep band. I mean, that that's a series that begs for 350 or 400 band members to go in both directions. But I bet that tickets were so scarce in terms of the allotment that LSU didn't do that. Fine, I bet they took the whole band. That's a horrible idea. In fact, that's a general – that's one of the things that is not good about college football today. The The – the entire band not traveling for road games in the name of cost-cutting and making more tickets. Everybody's sending tickets back anyway. Nobody's selling their full allotment. Luke Johnson joins us. He is co-host of the Eagle Hour, Super Talk Hattiesburg, Super Talk Laurel. Luke, do you know if the entire Southern Mississippi band is making the trek to Starkville tomorrow? I'm not sure, but if they are, they need some air-conditioned uh band suits uh for sure 
just want to point out, if we're talking about invitations, Borky, Borky invited me on the show today. Hey, Dad invited me on Thunder and Lightning, so you and Rippy need uh, to take care of your business, okay? You want to come swim in my pool? I thought you got rid of the pool. I, that'll work, Rippy. I appreciate it. I really appreciate okay. it. It's got no ladder and it's got a hole in it, but we'll figure that out when you get here. I've got a good. bit of a boring life, Luke. I don't really have anything to offer. You're Surely always talking I can... about how you go on the lake and stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah. Although we're just about out of lake season, but you're welcome to come join us on just about any weekend in the summer, and uh, we'll go on the lake. I appreciate it. C- consider it a standing invitation. Uh, final thought, uh, or final thoughts, as Southern Miss gets to uh, uh, gets ready to hit the road and head to uh, Starkville to try and pull off an upset in uh, uh, an in-state foe, but also a foe that's part of the Southeastern Conference. Personally, uh, I mean, it's just exciting for uh, for them to be able to play, especially uh, for my generation. Uh, they, they stopped playing when I was about seven, eight years old, and then uh, not until I was I was out of college. Uh, so it's it's special for for any Southern Miss fan to be able to play uh, Mississippi State or Ole Miss and have the opportunity to play State. So personally, it, it it's just an exciting opportunity. I think the Eagles uh, will travel well tomorrow. There'll be a lot of black and gold up to Starkville. As far as analysis goes, um, pretty much the consensus is, and I would like to to hear Haydad's take on this, and even any else take on there. I think Southern Miss, in order for it to be a game. In the late third quarter, early fourth quarter, I'm feeling like the, the, the nasty bunch will have to get two, probably three turnovers, and we'll have to convert uh, two of those turnovers, not just into field goals, but into touchdowns. Uh, they can't turn the ball over, and they're going to have to, to, to run the football. Mosley's out this week. I told you on Tuesday, I thought um, that Perkins and Anderson uh, would carry the, the load. I, I feel like they will, but it, it seems like D. Baker, the true freshman, is going to get. Uh, significant carries tomorrow also. So it's going to come down to, to, to defense, turnovers, and maybe Jalen Adams can have an explosive return in the, in the kicking game. If it's no turnovers for either team, I'm not sure um, how, how Southern Miss uh, can, can just play catch-up with Mississippi State the whole game. Yeah, I mean, that's how upsets happen. Turnovers and, and non-offensive touchdowns are the, the key to a big upset. I, I, would, I would imagine that most of the time when you see those those kind of games happen. That's what that's what's occurred. Is the the physically superior team, and that's what Mississippi State is in terms of, of athletes here. Makes mistakes and gives gives opportunities to the other team. If State can, turns the ball over a couple of times and can't force turnovers of their own, yeah, USM is going to have an opportunity to make this a very interesting game. Yeah, I mean, that, that, yeah, State. Uh, one of uh, Louisiana's touchdowns came on that punt play where State turns the ball over at their own 12-yard line. Uh, State had a uh, first and 10 inside the uh, UL 25 when Stevens gets sacked and fumbles. So those two turnovers, yeah, they, they probably cost they cost State uh, some points on one end and they led to UL having points on the other end. Luke, what if I said that, that maybe the biggest difference going into this ball game is the depth chart? That, that maybe there's not massive separation in the ones versus ones, but on a day when it's going to be mid-90s and it's going to be humid, that the depth with the second group is where Mississippi State's advantage makes it a little difficult to overcome. Do, do you buy into that, or, or do you think that's faulty? Uh, for this one game, this is going to sound crazy and insane. I think especially on the defensive line front, Southern Miss has the depth advantage. 
Uh, that may sound crazy to a lot of people. The linebacking core is the deepest core for Southern Miss. There are going to be guys rotating. Southern Miss did a great job of bringing in some JUCO players. Turner and Smith are all-conference players up front. Torrance Brown and Terry Whittington were blazing fast at the Wolf position last week. And then Eric Kitchen and Nick Dawson are two really good JUCO players. Southern's going to be rotating seven or eight defensive linemen in there. And uh, on a day when it's hot, I mean, for a defensive line, State is physically superior. Um, but you wonder, you know, in the mid-third quarter, if it's a game, can can they get to Tommy Stevens? Linebacking core for Southern Miss is, is really fast. Um, I, I know I know the, the FCC card is going to be thrown out there, but Southern Miss really feels like the front seven, they have great depth there. What yeah. I'm concerned about is the secondary. Hemby is, is tremendous. DQ Thomas played great at the nickel last week. I'm just not sure in one-on-one coverage that they're going to have to play a lot of man tomorrow in order to get pressure on Stevens. And so you wonder in the one-on-one matchups, especially deep ball, um, you know, can the corners hold their own? But I'm I'm telling you up front, the Eagles at least pregame they feel like they have a lot of depth in the front seven. Luca, we, we've talked so much about the running game over the last year and change. Going back to last season, you, you said that was an area Southern Miss needed to get better. They needed to be able to run the football more effectively. They didn't show a ton of that in the season opener against Alcorn State, and obviously with Travinsky-Mosley out, that, that hampers the ability to try and run it as well. So, question is, is there a scenario where you see Southern Miss coming out and really going to the air early and often to try and soften things up and make it a little bit easier to run the game as the uh, run the ball as the game goes along. Yeah, I feel like they're going to run some shorter passing routes just in, in place of runs uh, to try to get Jack a little confidence. Um, but they're going to have to run the football. I mean, sooner or later, you're just going you can overwhelm an offensive line. Alcorn, you know, was bringing uh, seven last week, especially when they went four wide, and you just don't have enough people to block. Uh, Anderson, you know, if he's in the backfield, he's another offensive line back there at lineman back there at two fifty. Yeah. Um, but they will have to do something. So I just, I think tomorrow. So what was the deal with him last week? It was like eight carries for twenty four yards or thirty yards or something like that. Could he just not get going last week? I mean, he was getting met at the line of scrimmage. I mean, that okay. was a lot of it, you know. And, yeah. and he did, he did run over some people. But it just was there wasn't much traction, you know. He was getting hit at the line of scrimmage and, and wasn't allowing him to, to build up some steam. I think Buster Faulkner's creativity, Southern Miss fans will get a feel of that tomorrow. I, I, they were just extremely vanilla last week. I think that was on purpose to hide the playbook a little bit. So you'll you'll see what a Buster Faulkner offense in black and gold means tomorrow. And I, I don't think they're going to hold anything back. I, I feel like this is a game that they have prepped for since spring practice. And they're just going to lay it all out there. Well, it certainly is going to be fun. I know I asked you about this a week or so ago, maybe as we were kind of looking ahead, but but you think big Southern Miss crowd tomorrow in Starkville? Yeah, I mean, I think they'll, they'll travel well. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know how to define big. Uh, as many of them that can get in the stadium, I believe, will be in there. And, and I, I believe they'll enjoy, you know, being on campus. I mean, for, for whoever wins or loses, it's just fun when two Mississippi teams play each other because it's been such a rarity in the last 20 or 25 years. And uh, so I think people will take advantage of that. And, you know, just for everything that comes after it, uh, you know, they'll rib each other next week. But I think the, the longest short of it is what should be celebrated is that two 
of the you know two teams are, are, are playing each other. Southern doesn't get to play the other two at all, hardly at all. And that's Mississippi State's credit for renewing the rivalry. So I do think that they will travel well, even if they don't have a ticket to the game. I think a lot of Eagles will be up there. All right. Luke, really appreciate your time this afternoon. Safe travels to you this weekend, and we will catch up with you early next week. Thank you, my man. Hi, right. right, guys. Have a great weekend. That is Luke Johnson, co-host of the Eagle Hour, Mississippi State and Southern Miss tomorrow in Starkville at Duty Noble. Game kicks off at, that. well, across the street from Duty Noble. Down the road. David Davis Wade. That would be a packed house at Duty Noble. Yeah, yeah, certainly would be. Will it be full tomorrow? No, nah, I don't think so. It's, no. it's so hot. Uh, Duty been... Noble would accommodate Hugh Freeze a little bit better. How so? Lofts. Ooh, oh, you think porches? You... There's skyboxes out here. Oh, I see what you're getting. I see what you did there. Fair enough. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming with you online at supertalk.fm. We will continue with you in the Renaissance Bank studio on this Friday afternoon. We are back right after this. You can, right? Wait, wait, wait. LSU? Nope. Georgia. Hero for three. Do you want to keep trying? Is it in the SEC? No. Uh, ooh. I don't care. It's Memphis. I mean, you were just there. I don't pay attention to the band. I understand. But you've made it abundantly clear that the band is not something uh, to which you pay attention. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Friday afternoon, we are rolling into week three of the high school football season. Immediately following Sports Talk this afternoon, we've got the high school football preview show. And then later tonight, the Mississippi Farm Bureau Insurance Company scoreboard show. Will East and Stephen Gagliano will be with you, uh, well, at least together for the preview show, and then Stephen hosting the uh, scoreboard show a little bit later this evening. Will, Stephen, what's up, fellas? It's week three, and it's already topsy-turvy across the board. Like, if you predicted who was going to be, you know, just throw all that, take that paper <laughs> and throw it down. We've that had sound effect. three different number one teams in the state in three weeks. Uh, is that trend going to continue after week three? I don't think so. I think Madison Central is the team to beat in 6A. Uh, they've got the biggest offensive line I've ever seen on a high school team. It looks like an SEC offensive line. It's bigger than Ole Miss's, I can tell you that. Uh, maybe faster, too. Uh, they are very talented. And you've got Jimmy Holiday at quarterback for Madison Central. They take on Northwest Rankin tonight. Uh, they're the team to beat in 6A right now. What kind of a passer is Jimmy Holiday? We were talking about that a little bit um, earlier this week. He has got a quick uh, – I don't want to say Michael Vick because, you know, yeah, that's, that's, that, crazy. That, that's an <laughs> impossible comparison. But if you'll remember when Michael Vick threw the ball, hey, can he flicked his wrist and it yeah. could just go? He didn't rear back and have to – that's what I see from Jimmy Holiday the few times that I've watched him. Okay. Uh, interesting who, to see. Who uh, won the skunk? I think I Booneville did. Yeah, Booneville, I believe. Yeah, yeah. What they we, do with it? I, we did not find out if they get an actual skunk though. So uh, seems reasonable that they might not get an actual skunk or or a skunk trophy. I think is more what I meant to say. <laughs> Wait, there's not a skunk bowl trophy? I don't know. There might be. 
I if was not, insinuating we need to commission it was a trophy, one. not a live skunk. Oh, I thought you. I thought you actually were wondering if there was a skunk that was passed back and forth. No, Actual. They said there was a trophy. Yeah, I understand. I understand. <laughs> what are we looking for tonight, guys? What's uh, what's top of mind? What's the what are the marquee matchups? I mean. To, to me, it's it's West Point taking on Starkville. Yeah, that's where I was going, too. Uh, West Point had the weirdest loss last week. It's unbelievable. So West Point, who hasn't lost a regular season game in quite a while, they haven't lost to a non-6A school since 2015. They got beat by a 3A school, Lewisville, who the week before had only had scored zero points, lost two to nothing. It's just – it's weird. They – West Point had beaten defending 6A state champ Horn Lake uh, to open the season, blew them like out. Like a drum. Like a drum, yes. And then the week after that, gets beat by Lewisville, who's now a 3A school, and now they got to turn around and play Starkville, who was the previous number one team coming into the season. And Lewisville put up – they put up 38 on them, so it's not like they beat them yeah. like, you know, 17-14 <laughs> or something like that. So, And Starkville scored – what, 45 against Oxford in the Little Egg Bowl last week? So yeah. they're getting a, a high-powered offense this week that they've got to stop. Yeah, and, you know, traditionally you might not, like, raise your eyebrows at, oh, Lewis will beat West Point. Well, that's, you know, two traditionally pretty good programs. But West Point has distanced themselves from everybody in 5A. And to your point just a moment ago, given what Lewisville didn't do in the season opener, which was score, <laughs> It's a little, little hard to wrap your mind around. <laughs> it's just crazy. And they score 38 points. I mean, it's just crazy. Uh, you mentioned that Oxford-Starkville game. Starkville was really impressive. Oxford made that a one-score game with seven minutes to play, and then Starkville ripped off three touchdowns <laughs> in the final seven, seven and a half minutes of the game. You see the final score, and you go, oh, that was a blowout again. And it wasn't until it was. Right. Yeah, Oxford, a couple turnovers late. They just kind of doomed themselves any chance of coming back. Give me a game. Uh, we, we've kind of done this each week. Uh, let's kind of break the, the state down, north part of the state, central part of the state, Pine Belt area and the coast. Uh, a game that in your mind stands out. You've already mentioned Starkville and, uh, and West Point. What else is out there? I would guess uh, kind of a Pine Belt versus Coast matchup. you got Oak Grove traveling to Gulfport. Oak Grove. Okay. Uh, opened their season last week. They got a new quarterback there named Damon Stewart, who's kind of taken the reins from uh, John Rice Plumley, who's now at Ole Miss. Uh, and Oak Grove, you know, they're a team that we don't know a whole lot about. They beat Wayne County last week, uh, I think, by 20 points. Gulfport, on the other hand, is 2-0. and And Gulfport, in kind of the whole 6A part of uh, region – Region 4 of 6A has really kind of struggled to take it to the next level. Uh, They haven't made a a deep impact in the playoffs in the past couple of years. I I don't know if this is going to be the year, but so far, so good. Gulfport has done pretty well. Uh, they've got a just a trio of running backs there that are that are really really good so far. Uh, I can't remember who they beat. They, I think they beat Northwest Rankin last week. Yeah. But Gulfport looks like they're the class of six A uh, Region Four. And you know when we look at the coast, I mean we we've seen some pockets of success from St. Stanislaus. That's been a good program, but. At the 6A level, the big school level, when we're talking about the Mississippi Gulf Coast, whether it's Gulfport or Biloxi or, I guess, what, Ocean Springs and Deiville are 5A, aren't they? Ocean Springs, no, they're both 6A. Okay, so those are 6A schools as well. It just feels like we're going to get to a year where we pop up 
and and it's just one of those look out that is a team you do not want to play but it hasn't been like that for a lot of years it, it just really hasn't i i'm trying to think back the aberville's been probably the most consistent out of all right. those uh gulfport's been good uh but they just they haven't been able to get past that first round of the playoffs and if they have that that's where it ended there uh they just haven't had that team yet what do you like in the middle part of the state? Jackson, metro area, and maybe slightly beyond? Probably Brandon and Clinton. I think that's going to be a big one this week. Brandon, of course, beat Starkville in week one and then really struggled against Madison Central last week. Uh, Will Rogers uh, threw, what was it, two or three interceptions. But, you know, Clinton has had a really good start to the season after losing to Pearl. Uh, they bounced back in week two with a win. But their defense certainly isn't what Madison Central's is, and their offense certainly isn't uh, Jimmy Holiday and Madison Central. So I think Brandon bounces back there and gets another win. Of course, another big game in the middle of the state. Oh, geez, here we go. <laughs> St. Aloysius you know, that versus was, Central Hines. That was my next pick for, uh, for my big <laughs> Central Mississippi game. But big bounce back, or not a bounce back, they won last week, so That's a chance right, to, make to make it two, two in a row. row. Yeah. yeah, They get back they get, uh, another home game, really feed off that home crowd, which is electric. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, if we're doing the whole my alma mater thing, I will mention this. Oxford is hosting Grenada tonight, and they're celebrating 50 years of football, and they've invited all of the former players and cheerleaders and band members and everybody back for a pregame tailgate, and they're honoring. right there from here? I, Maybe. I guess, I guess I'll round it off. <laughs> Who does JA play? J, uh, they play MRA, don't they? I think so. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah, that actually will be a big game in the, uh, in the prep side of things this week. Does that have a trophy? <laughs> I don't know. If you're the alumni, wouldn't, wouldn't you got to tell me. you be more qualified to answer that <laughs> than <laughs> the winner gets a gift certificate to Vineyard Vines. I didn't play <laughs> Possibly a roll of dip, depending on who wins. <laughs> who is J.A. any good? They are. They lost week one. Uh, them and Prep lost week one, which was the first time they had lost on the same night since like since Moby Dick was a minnow. Yeah, <laughs> since like 2016. Say, but uh, but yeah, they're going to be good again uh, this I year. I guess way longer than that. Yeah. Go Raiders. Um, <laughs> and uh, score a preview show. What's coming up tonight when we uh, wrap up here on Sports Talk Mississippi? We're, we're just going to talk about the theme for this year, uh, and that is that it's topsy-turvy. You'd, last year, the theme was all these recruits from top to bottom, just about every team, it seemed like, had a four-star recruit. This year, you don't have that. We, we've we seen three different number one teams in, in three weeks. It's just kind of crazy out there. You had West Point losing last week. We're just going to talk about kind of how it's topsy-turvy. It's not just in 6A and 5A. The 1A uh, powerhouse, Hollandale Simmons, they're 0-2. They had not lost a regular season game since 2014. Yeah, they had won 54 straight. Yeah, so it's kind of crazy out yeah, there this year. And now 0-2. Yeah, yeah. they lost in the championship game last year, and maybe they just never recovered. Maybe so. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Should be a fun night, uh, week three. Uh, what is it? Is it next week or two weeks from now when we get into uh, division play? Two weeks, I think. Yeah, two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks away. So those first four weeks, it's the non-conference games, non-division games. Then we jump into division play when it really, really matters. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Will East and Steven Gagliano joining us from the studio in Jackson. Preview show for high school football coming up when we finish here on Sports Talk Mississippi. And then tonight from 10.30, uh, uh, 10 until midnight, the Mississippi 
Farm Bureau Insurance Company's high school football scoreboard show back for its 24th year. We're back after this with you in the Renaissance Bank studio from the Ole Miss Banking and Finance Symposium. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. We're coming to the to you today from the Oxford Conference Center, the Ole Miss Banking and Finance Symposium happening today. It's wrapped up. Now they are into their uh, social hour. Seem to be enjoying it. They do. Rippy's mad that he hasn't been able to join in. Rippy, you could lean over, reach, and grab a nice cold brew. I could. Tell him my name's Jordan Belfort. <laughs> Sell me this pen. <laughs> oh. Oh, hey. Or we could just have our good friends from uh, Southern Craft bring uh, pizza over. Thanks, Bubba. That smells good. Good to see you, man. Uh, Bubba, good buddy of mine at Southern Craft and Tap, directly across the street from where we are. And uh, snacks have arrived. He put it right by me, too. You think that was like a subliminal thing? We got a couple of pizzas. And what's in the what's in the box on top? Give it, a, Take a peek there. Sure. Take a peek there. Ooh, some wings. Got wings on top. My man Haydad said uh, the Gus's lunch was going to be the only thing he did today. And then this happened. I think the plant oh, this smells so good. My See, goodness, that smells when, good. When people bring, I, it's like insulting if I don't eat yes, it, right? I can, right. I'll have to have some. Right. It's insulting not to drink free booze, too. Go get us a beer. What are they going to do? Uh, there's a, a, an entity called the Federal Communications Commission. In short, they go by the FCC. They frown on that. They love me. <laughs> It'll be fine. You've already got a strike against you from the old FCC, <laughs> don't you, Rippy? I forgot about that. Right. Borky, did you turn him in on that, Borky? Uh, turn him in on what? I don't recall I don't what know you're talking what about. You're talking about. talking about. Uh, Rippy, the Ole Miss football rebels absolutely must blank. Find an offensive line combination. If that's they suitable. want to beat Arkansas tomorrow. Oh, sorry, I thought you were done. Find an offensive line combination that works. I don't know what it's going to be. Uh, it, it's interesting because their layer, their their issues are twofold, which I'm actually writing about right now. That I'll put out in a second, partially. That one, they don't have a lot of depth, so they're trying to find seven or eight guys they can trust. Realistically, it's probably just going to be seven until someone comes through. But they're. The five guys they roll out there have varying degrees of experience and have issues in their own right. So you've got to sure up the left side. You've got to find an answer at center. They've got to find the combination that works, and preferably if that combination works, have two reserves that are competent. It's going to look different this week. They're going to play more guys. I don't know how they're going to get to that. I don't know if they will, but they're, I don't think it will be for a lack of trying, at least from the way it sounds. If, if you were in uh, the position of head coach of the Ole Miss Football Rebels and were being paid in the neighborhood of $3 million, what's the combination that you would run out on Saturday? I don't think they know. I think they're waiting no, to I see. I didn't say them. I said you. What would you do? Okay, well, I don't. I wouldn't know. At the, the Where we stand right now, I wouldn't know. I'd want to see how Nick Broker held up at left tackle. Could Bryce Ramsey maybe play some center and relieve Eli Johnson some? If those two guys can hold up, which is a tall task for a true freshman, then maybe. But if not, then maybe some Ben Brown at center. Maybe you ditch the versatility idea with Bryce Matthews and just stick him at left tackle because average is better than what you got last week. Is anybody locked in? Is there a player like we're Alex, not moving him? Alex Gibbons and Ben Brown are probably locked in on the right side. I just said Ben Brown. He could play some center. But if you're talking about guys that really are established and are going to play, Alex Gibbons is going to play right tackle. Ben Brown is going to play probably more right tackle than center. After that, I'd say pretty much everyone's up in the air. I think they're going to end up st sticking with Royce Newman, Eli Johnson, Michael Howard. I'm not sure at this point. So if you're looking for two guys whose names are locked in, mm -hmm. 
there's really only one position locked in. Other than that, it's it's wide open. Flip the coin. The Rebels absolutely cannot blank if they want to beat Arkansas. I don't want to say not block people because that's going to fall on the offensive line. So I will say turn the ball over and in an effort not to be as simplistic. I will say Matt Corral has to be more accurate. They have to have more success in the passing game. I know the running game wasn't great. It was a little better in the second half. But they've got to be more of a vertical threat down the field than they were last year. They've got to create. How about this? The receivers have to create separation. That'll be what I go with. They can't just get open? Uh, Phil Longo would say yes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, get open, create separation, whatever phrase you want to use. Get open where you can catch the football instead of be hung up or turf monster or whatever, whatever the case may be. And they might be without Braylon Sanders, so that'll be that much more difficult. Kind of feels like a long shot, him playing this week. Matt Luke got very sad when he was asked about it. He said he was very limited and would be a game-time decision. Uh, I don't know. Read between the lines. The Mississippi State football Bulldogs absolutely must blank if – they want to avoid upset tomorrow. Pressure Jack Abraham. I think the, the USM offense is already sort of one-dimensional. They're, they're having trouble running the ball. With Mosley out, that limits them even more. So if they only got one dimension, you've got to take that away. I think State last week got some pressure on Levi Lewis, but he's mobile and was able to escape it. State didn't have a sack in that game. I expect State to get a couple of sacks in this game and, and make life a little tougher for Jack Abraham in the pocket. And on the flip side... Mississippi State absolutely cannot this if they want to um, avoid the upset and beat Southern Miss. We talked about it earlier with Luke Johnson. They can't turn the ball over. They cannot give USM opportunities. When we have a team that's coming in trying to upset you, you got to step on their throat early. State needs to get the control of that game early. If they turn the ball over, if they allow another special teams touchdown, that's going to be that's going to go a long way into giving USM ability to keep that game closer than you want. Does the game become significantly more difficult to win for Mississippi State if Southern Miss is in it in the fourth quarter? Yes. Yes. I mean, because if they, if they start believing in it, then that's, that's how – upsets have to have a little bit of belief. And if, if you go to the fourth quarter and it's, it's a seven-point game, Southern's going to believe they can win that game. Were you laughing at me because you thought that was a dumb question? No. He was just laughing at your face. What were you laughing at? Nothing. What, what did I miss? Guy rolled through here in a dentist chair. He just saw it and just thought it was funny. Uh, Borky, do you disagree or agree with uh, what uh, Rippy and Haydad said in kind of diagnosing these games? Yeah, sure. And if you want different ones just for the sake of it, I think Ole Miss defensively cannot uh, give up chunk plays on the ground because I don't think that Arkansas, whichever one they play, uh, has the quarterback that is capable of, of really moving the ball on that defense. I, I don't think Brady White is any worse the, than what you're going to see at the quarterback position Saturday. So somehow find a way to limit Arkansas on the ground, force the ball into the quarterback's hands, and you have a really good shot at uh, giving up very few points in that ball game uh, if you're old Miss. And Mississippi State, uh, just show up and play to your capabilities. Don't do anything to allow Southern Miss to, to believe in that game, and you should win rather comfortably. Rakeem Boyd killed Ole Miss last year, and they probably would have won the game if he wasn't knocked out. I, I would say, yeah, I mean, to yes, uh, I'm, I'm with you on those things. Uh, Rakeem Boyd was also last chance you first independence guy, right? Was he? Pretty sure Rakeem Boyd was an independence uh, college guy, first season. But last year was the first season they were there. This past one was the second. 
but he would have ha- it would have happened the previous fall. Then he goes into Arkansas and plays last season, if that makes sense. Yes, you're correct. He did play at Independence. It's great to be me. And you you think he was? I thought they rolled in the year after he was done. Evidently not. No. Maybe not. Okay. Seven carries, 119 yards, caught a couple balls out of the backfield, had a 69-yard touchdown run. I'm just going to go with this. Ole Miss cannot win the football game if its defense is on the field 38 minutes and change again this week. It feels like a a very accurate assessment. I just – I don't think there's any way. I mean, the defense played better, but you can't ask them to go out and be the 83 Bears. 85. Or the 85 Bears. They were also good. You but, look or up last the night's Bears, who were also good. You can't even ask them to be the 83 Bears. I get you. I mean, I'm, I'm not going crazy. I wouldn't ask them to be one of the, the monsters in the midway. Just halfway decent. Who is the 83 Bears? They were the Chicago Bears in 1983. That's kind of the point. I just completely missed the date. And then was trying to dig myself out of that hole. It's all right. I mean, they had a lot of the same guys. I'm they sure were 8-8 eight eight in 1983. Finished third in the division. Mike Dicker was the coach, We just though. killed you. That's all right. Bears. Maybe the new goal should be Ole Miss should be the 83 Bears. Get to 500. This week and then beyond, right? Yeah. They well, played pretty good defense they're going to get to 500 though. long term, they better get to 500 this week. Yeah, I don't think there's really a path to 500 if you don't win this week. Yeah. Uh, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. You can text the show on the C Spire text line. That number is 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. The powerful new Samsung Galaxy Note 10 is finally here, and C Spire celebrating with an equally powerful deal for a limited time. Buy the Galaxy Note 10 and get $750 off your choice of... Uh, Samsung Galaxy device. C Spire, customer inspired. We will um, talk in the 5 o'clock hour with Bruce Marshall from the Gold Sheet. We only have a couple seconds here, but I'm going to ask you the same sort of question. What Do it for USM. What does USM have to do? What does USM have to avoid? To, to pull the upset, Southern Miss has got to find a way to run the ball and, and give Jack Abraham time. I mean, So that's on the offensive side, but defensively, that's a good defense, and they've got to even play better yeah. than, than they have. They've got to make Tommy Stevens uncomfortable, and they've got to figure out a way to, to semi-contain Kylan Hill. They can keep Kylan Hill from getting into the end zone, force Mississippi State into kicking field goals versus touchdowns. They can give themselves a, a chance. You know, on the, the flip side, what do they have to avoid? They, they can't give up a bunch of big plays and fall behind early to Mississippi State. If they do, I agree with all that. it could be a long day. Sports Talk Mississippi. Hold on. I gotta turn on your mic if he's gonna answer that question. He's not gonna be able to answer it. No, I'm not getting it. Whose fight song is that, Rippy? State? Oh, God. Are you serious? A lot of state fans like to have this team's resume. Wait, Alabama? There you go. Uh, yes. That's the first one uh, that you've got. That wasn't because of the music. He said resume. So, so it was just, con- context clues that got you there. Yeah. I'm just take credit. Just take credit. That, but yeah, I'm very bad at the rest of this. Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi, live from what was the Ole Miss Banking and Finance Symposium. Uh, if you expected bankers to be around after five o'clock on a Friday, come on now. Who are you kidding yourself? <laughs> they have cleared out, and uh, we're still with you, rolling into the weekend, week two of the college football season. Ole Miss and Arkansas tomorrow night on the SEC Network, the Saturday night primetime game. 
Tom Hart is the play-by-play guy for that and was uh, kind enough to uh, stop by and say hello. What's up, man? Hey, you look great, by the way. You always dress like this, or you just get back from hitting and hitting? Uh, most days, no. I mean, you got plaid pants. This is big time. My right? wife said she liked the pants, so I said I like the pants. You did. I did. Thanks. Uh, yeah, you can borrow them tomorrow if you want. <laughs> okay, that'd be great. That'd be great. What's up, uh, man? What's up is it's like I feel like they moved the stadium closer to the sun since I was last year, because <laughs> year, it is like 130 degrees at Vaught-Hemingway right now. And 726 degrees tomorrow at kickoff, right? <laughs> well, probably close. Yeah, G- give or take. Um, I'm just complaining. Listen, I love what I do, and um, I'm excited to be here. It's, um, it's a must-win game for both teams, and we can really say that. You know, usually uh, – use this term – middle-of-the-pack SEC teams don't have many must-win games. Especially in week two, right? Never in week two. You know, like – if LSU's going to make the college football playoff, and that's a big if, that's a must-win game for them tomorrow night. But generally speaking, they're going to be playing in a New Year's Day bowl regardless. Like the, the differential between winning tomorrow and not winning tomorrow if they lose within the division is inconsequential. It's the college football playoff in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, yeah. So, but the difference between these two programs, winning or losing tomorrow, if you lose, there's, there's more to be lost by the loser than gained by the winner. Because if you lose, I don't, see, I don't see any path to a bowl for either one of these programs. Do you think the winner of this game tomorrow night ultimately ends up in a bowl game, or still there's a lot of navigating to do to actually get there? Way, way too early to tell. Um, a win guarantees you nothing tomorrow. A loss, a loss is an, a weight around your ankles. You, you're not swimming out of the, out of the channel. I mean, you're, you're sunk. Because to me, for these programs, the, the bowl eligibility speaks to more than just the 15 practices. There's real value in that, especially because there's a lot of youth on both of these teams. To get the reps, to be around your team, to, to drive home the championship mentality that both of these head coaches are trying to sell to their teams. But more importantly, to me, where I sit right now, it's selling your program within your state. You know, getting to a bowl and showing that we've made progress because both of them are trying to get back from the abyss. It's a different abyss for each side. But um, what have we done to buy your loyalty? What have we done to earn it? Well, we, we made it to a bowl. You know, and, and we can't turn this aircraft carrier around in a day, but we can, we can start making progress, and a bowl represents that. And, you know, doing a bunch of interviews about Ole Miss with other places leading up to the season – people would kind of ask, you know, what's the importance of this year? And and I thought there was an opportunity if Ole Miss could get to six this year, if they could get to your, your point just yeah. a second ago, somehow, regardless of what the path to six is, get to six, then Matt Luke had a chance to win some of the fan base that it feels like he's been fighting an uphill battle with since he got the job. So sure. he goes from interim to, oh, they just gave it to the interim, to they didn't – weren't even eligible for a bowl game and finished five and seven last year, and now it's like, okay, show us some results. Well, I mean, it's been kind of a mess for the last few years around here. And you're trying to climb out of that in the deepest and best division in all of college football. You know, you can never, we should never assume that it's easy to win in this league, especially in the West. I don't know that we, you know, and I'm talking about for the for the middle of the pack teams for everybody not named Alabama, really. I don't know that we appreciate how hard it is to win, you know. I mean, when Missouri joined this conference, they went to the championship game their first two years, and they went back-to-back, 
And Missouri fans. Do you work that into every single interview I you do, Mr. Uh, Mr. Missouri grad? <laughs> I try to. Try to remind people, like, hey, they had success at one point in this league. But that's a big deal. Like, getting to Atlanta is a really big deal. And winning 10 games, being a 10-win team out of this conference should be appreciated more because of the grind week in and week out. And in reality, since the SEC championship game began in 1992, two. first two years in Birmingham, Atlanta ever since, Ole Miss has only been close three times. Yeah, They were close in 03 when they had that game with LSU, and then Arkansas had something to do with them not getting there a couple of seasons ago. And now the guy that was kind of responsible for getting them close is coaching from hospital beds. Dental chairs. He's, yeah, that's it's a not a dental it's chair. not a dental chair. They had a uh, what is it? They're um, hold on. It? Let me go. Let me tell you this guy's name. Oh, here we go. No, please don't say um, it. The uh, the media relations guy. No, Wet, Wetmore. It's good thing he doesn't have your first name. <laughs> I don't think there's anything we can uh, can do with this. Story. Anyway, oh my. They God. said it's a medical chair. It's not a, a dental chair. <laughs> he doesn't know what to do with that. I mean, it's listen, it's rare I, that you don't talk when you're on the air, when you have a microphone in front of your face. Now, I, I sat here for the first six minutes, and I really didn't understand his value because he couldn't name the Alabama fight song. And I thought, what are we going to do? Rippy's the guy that lobs grenades from yeah, the balcony. Yeah. What are you going to do all fall during football season? He does. Yeah, he uh, and he he's the guy. Todd that, Wetmore says we're not calling it a dental chair. It's a medical chair that allows him to be elevated. Why didn't you get a barber's chair? You can elevate a barber's chair. There's a lot more of those available in Lafayette than there is, than there are dental chairs. And you buy that on Amazon? It's fifty-four hundred dollars. Wow. Yeah, Chris Vanini at the uh, Athletic gave us a. Uh, I don't know if it was an Amazon link or not, but okay, there was an I online have, link. I have an. I have eyes on site. In Lafayette. In Lafayette, and that have been in the press box. Mm-hmm. And the text I just received. Quote, it is definitely not just a medical chair. It is literally what you would find at a dentist's office. Wouldn't you be more comfortable in a recliner, too? Like, the dentist, you're looking at your shoulder for a drill, and it's not comfortable at all. Well, I mentioned that. Exactly. And recliner, it's like you almost feel like you're at home watching a game. Otherwise, he's calling it. Although he said not the first and second down plays, only the third down plays, allegedly. Well, hold on a second. He went through. Has he got Dan his... Warner helping on first and second down? <laughs> I think he's got. I think he's got Fall Guy Phil Longo lined up for that one. <laughs> oh, we only have seven plays. Uh, he went through all of this trouble to get to the stadium last week and to coach from a hospital bed. By the way, he had to use the facilities midway through the second half and had to close the blinds and close himself off from the coaches to take care of business. He just use a bedpan. Well, I think that's probably what he did, Richard. You, but you, he... you still can, you can still see things when a bedpan is involved, though. So they go with a catheter and a sheet. Well, here's my question. What did they miss? What would they have missed with him not being there? That you, could, you can't score less than zero. It's not what they would have missed. It's what he would have missed if he had not been there. And You're talking about a guy that hasn't coached in two years, is finally back in college football, and the opening weekend is going to go by, and he's, not, he's going to be an afterthought. Can't have that. So he saw to it that he was not an afterthought last Saturday so night. Great. And part of it is the fact that no one's talking about that they had negative rushing yards and didn't score any points. Like, that was part of what this was for as well. What, to change the That was a touching moment. With, they were? Yeah, everyone's talking about him coaching from a hospital. I would the rather – They barely crossed the 50. If I ran an athletic department or a football program, I would rather them talk about how poor we are offensively than the fact that I am so ego-driven that I have to be wheeled in a hospital bed to coach a game and 
Would you call? Hey, it I don't know if you know this or not, but Dr. Ben Carson was involved in the diagnosis of his. Uh... And number two, you're speaking like a sane person, not someone who staged their own funeral a couple of years back. <laughs> this is what I love, by the way, and, and I'll draw a comparison. I was at Ohio State this spring. They fired Jim Tressel, and they loved Jim Tressel at Ohio State. But then when he got fired, mm-hmm. everybody came out of the woodwork and took their shots and said, man, this guy was doing this and this. And, and I just love the fact, and we do it all the time, in collegiate athletics especially, is when a coach is in a certain locale, you very rarely, he very rarely has to fight off the kind of arrows that be, get slung at him once he's no longer employed because nobody has to curry favor with him anymore. Yeah. I, want, I, want, I, I, I earned the opportunity to take some shots after the fact. Richard will, will vouch for me. I was taking shots from day one on that guy. <laughs> From day one. Yeah, but you didn't have to show up every you know, Monday, you're, Tuesday, Oh, you're Thursday, right. Whatever. Yeah, because the next time you take a shot at somebody employed by Mississippi State for anything is the first time, if we're being honest. Are, are we being serious here? No, you're not being serious. I'll, I'll just let you go. I'll let you slide. Relatively. I'll let you slide. What did you have to say about Rick Ray when he was uh, Ooh, he was first bad. seat? He yeah. was bad. Nice guy, though. Nicest guy in the world. Yeah. He really was a nice guy. Yeah. yeah. I always well, wondered sure if that one nice would have turned out any different with Just anyone. at SEMA. You got time to hang for you, you a little got, bit more or you need to run? No, I'm good. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll take a quick timeout. We will continue with uh, Tom Hart from the SEC Network, ESPN, etc. cetera, uh, when we continue in the Renaissance Bank studio, live from uh, what was the Ole Miss Banking and Finance Symposium, and now it's an empty conference center. We're back after this. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online, supertalk.fm, with you on this Friday afternoon, week two of the college football season. Comes your way tomorrow. Tom Hart sitting in with us from the SEC Network and ESPN. He will be calling the game between Ole Miss and Arkansas. We'll uh, maybe circle back to that one in uh, in just a second. I- I'm curious, though. You had opening Thursday night. You had Texas A&M. Yeah. Kellamon looked good. Really good. And what I think will separate him, I-, I don't know that he can do this against Clemson, but I think it's a key to the game. He is a very effective runner. He has great straight-line speed. He's not especially shifty. He's not going to make a lot of people miss. But within the scope of that offense, you have to account for him as a runner. And he showed great success through the air against Clemson last year. It was a career high. And I think he, he could do that again. I mean, he could throw against them. But to me, the difference in the game is if they get yardage out of QB run because one area where they need to be more successful is in the red zone, and that could be key. That could be a key for them. I think they have a a great shot to go in and win that game. I really do. I, I think with Jimbo, so you, you think not just to keep it close, but actually to win. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought last year in Jimbo's first season, I thought it would have been a win for them on the field if it was a game going into the fourth quarter, and then results be damned. Like it's a step in the right direction. They've gotten better. They They're, almost won that game yes, last year. Yeah. And they're a better team this year. Um, number one, they have better players. Um, you know, they, yeah, are they missing some guys defensively? Sure. Uh, but they're a lot better in the secondary than I expected them to be. They'll start a freshman safety. They'll start a JUCO uh, at corner. And so there was concern from a communication and execution standpoint that those two guys being on the same side of the field would be able to hold up. They were great. I know it's just Texas State, but they were great last week. The secondary ended the game with four interceptions. Uh, but to me, the biggest difference in the growth that A&M has this, at this point is Kellen Mond has a full year in the system. He's now understanding the concepts 
from a holistic point of view instead of just – And that's a fairly complicated offense, yes, right? Yes, very much so. Yeah, and it takes guy. He's got. He's had a ton of first-rounders because the pros know what he's developing there. He knows that if people can handle that offense, that they can handle the X's and O's in the meeting rooms at the next level. Um, but he was running the offense last year within the scope of this is what I'm responsible for and I know what my guys are going to do. Now he understands it more holistically – I know the defense is giving me this, and the counter is this. <laughs> and it took him a whole season to learn that. But he had that season. He had the spring, and he had the, the offseason to get ready. Is Texas A&M on the cusp of being ready to compete with Alabama? Yeah. I mean, I, I, listen, I think they compete with Alabama and Clemson and LSU and Georgia right now in the field. I think they can win any one of those games. The problem for Jimbo, from a national perspective, is that they have all four of those opponents on their schedule. No way they're winning all four. I sure. mean, you just don't run that gauntlet. But they're good enough to beat any one of those teams head-to-head on any given Saturday. And if they can do that, then they just take another step forward. If they can win two of those games, holy cow. You know, you can make a point that if A&M finishes the season 10-2. and two. 10 and 2 With losses to Clemson and Alabama. Or it could be a loss to LSU in Georgia, no matter how you look. If they beat Clemson and Alabama, and that's the only loss for both of those programs, let's just look at it like that, and they're close losses to Georgia and LSU, which means they win the SEC. They go to Atlanta and they win. Right? Let's say they lose to Georgia. Okay, let's say they lose to Georgia okay. in the season. So that's an Eastern Division loss. But and, they beat Alabama. But they beat Alabama and LSU, and they lose to Clemson close. Okay, well, they're playing in the SEC championship game. And they win that game, beating Georgia a second time. How are they not in the college football playoff with two losses? Oh, they, they would. Yeah, Which would be fascinating. By the way, how many Aggie fans would be in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium for A&M in the SEC championship game? Well, the, the band will be there, and, and they have 6,552 tuba members. <laughs> and they're awesome. So they are awesome. <laughs> they really are. Um, are you buying... LSU. Yes, 100%. Like, like Joe Brady, Stevens, Minger working together, LSU, it's actually going to be a different offense, not just lip service to being a different offense? It looked different from a stat line after Saturday. Um, they put the ball in the air more. They didn't really stretch the defense. They didn't attack downfield. So it remains to be seen if that comes along. But I think they've advanced enough that they are so good defensively Mike McIntyre, by the way, in our meetings today, was raving about the personnel that LSU has on the defensive side. He and Dave Arand have known each other a long time. They run almost the same defense. So it's not uncommon for Ole Miss players to watch LSU film. You know, <laughs> this is what we're supposed to be doing, or this is how we can do it, which is an interesting nugget we picked up today. Um, but, yeah, they are so good defensively. They have so many pros on that side of the ball that they will win games with their defense only. And if the offense can continue to improve – be less predictable, um, then, yeah, I, I mean, that's a top – that's easily a top-10 team for me right now, no questions asked, and let's see how the schedule plays out. You're talking about Texas A&M, second-year Jimbo Fisher. Speaking of second years, though, what do you think of, of Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State this season? I think he's got the quarterback <laughs> that will allow him to be as creative as he can be, and that's – listen, that's why he has the job, right? I mean, that's what he was doing at the FCS level. That's what he was doing at Penn State. Um, that's what he wants to do – in Starkville. Um, it's fascinating when you look, and, and there's a, a comp to be drawn with Rich Rod, 
when you have these offensive minds that come into new situations, very rarely do you bring a quarterback with you. you know, Chad Morris even at Arkansas. Um, he's got a quarterback, Ben Hicks, that ran that system in 2017 and 16 at SMU. They should be better. Um, Rich Rod has his system, but I don't think he has his quarterback. But once he gets a quarterback who's a run threat, um, and there might be some on the roster, right? There might be a couple freshmen that turn into that guy. Could be. Um, that's probably not for this year, but down the road. Then he's going to look like the Rich Rod we know. And I think the same thing of Joe Moorhead. I think with Tommy Stevens now, he's able to do some things creatively within the scope of that offense and ask a quarterback who can also throw and stretch the field to do things that can they can really make the offense run. I mean, it's like driving a Maserati and being stuck in rush hour traffic. Like, let me get out on the open road and let this thing run, and I think he can do that. As excited as you are to be in Oxford and being broadcasting Ole Miss in Arkansas tomorrow night, if you could pick any game this weekend, where would you be on Saturday? Do you think uh, do you think our friends at Nicholas Air could get us from Oxford to Austin in time for like the fourth quarter? Is there an hour stagger in the kickoffs? <laughs> no, no, they, don't no. they both kick at six thirty? <laughs> Hopefully, we'd have a weather. To, I mean that that would be the play to be in Austin, Texas, which is a really cool town anyway. What would you give up to do that game? Uh, to do Texas LSU tomorrow night? Do I really need my pinky? Didn't we have that debate one time whether or not you would give up a finger or a toe? I think it was a toe. A toe. Because I wanted to continue to play golf. Yeah. Oh, who? yeah, who misses a toe? Right. Pinky toe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, take it. Take the pinky toe. The, the excitement around that game is not just – You think Austin's hopping tonight? That's what I'm getting at. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Probably has since Wednesday with the way they travel. What's interesting is that line has moved all the way to a touchdown. I thought if anything with LSU opening at, what, four and a half, it would move towards back towards like closer to even or something, maybe in the two and a half range, but it's gone to seven. Yeah. Which is insane. That's a pretty you, big number. And you may have heard Bruce Marshall say earlier, uh, Tom Herman, 13-2-1 and, 13, and one as a head coach, as an underdog, with ten outright wins. Okay, but you always have to put that in perspective, right? He's had great teams for the level they were at yeah. and teams, in my mind, that, that were value plays, if you're just talking gambling. Okay, if you're just talking about the point spread, I would argue that a lot of his Houston teams were undervalued because the public does not think, Houston, great team, let me put some money on that. Let's, let's even this out, right, which is, what the money, which is what the line is to get even action on both sides. The same way that Notre Dame often is overvalued. Okay. I would argue. I just some perspective to that. Where's and your, how many, but where's your way, level of comfort dropping gambling references into the game? Well, have you, have you started down that road yet? I don't know if you watched, uh, watched Vandy, Georgia, but the field goal with 236 to go that put Georgia up by 24, and the line was 21 or 22, depending on it was. who you're calling. Because uh, it was 27 to 6 at that point. Uh huh. So that was an important field goal. So when it went through, I just simply said, "That's a kick that means a lot to many." Then you so, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's a good one. I yeah. like the Al, it's subtle. It's it, enough. Al Michaels had the well. That's overwhelming. That's on SVP's <laughs> montage. That's a pretty solid one as yeah. well. And then there was that one a couple of years ago that made the highlight thing where Musburger who I believe is a Northwestern guy, very clearly had money on Northwestern. The Northwestern Ohio State game. Yeah. yeah. 
because <laughs> he was the guest picker that day, and you could kind of tell in his voice that he probably had money on Northwestern. I, I think um, I, I think it comes back from a broadcasting perspective to knowing your audience. Mm-hmm. I failed Thursday. Thursday, Texas State had a fourth-quarter touchdown to cover or to push, depending, and uh, it was this incredible catch in the back corner of the end zone. It was their only A&M covered. Was it not a push? Depending Depen- on. De- depending on. I-, I bet at what time of the week you got it. Richard Richard went three and zero last week. If he hasn't told you, and he <laughs> like I've been wearing that as a badge of honor. He, or something. Uh, no, but he we, we he had, had shirts made and everything. Yeah, I bet that thing moved a pretty good bit. Yeah, maybe so. Well, anyway, I I we failed our audience because the only people watching at that time, just like the only people watching at the end of. Uh, Georgia Vandy with people who had interest in it. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah, great to see you all. Tom Hart from the SEC Network. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.